I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's Monday, December 2nd, and I'm Alex Olgan with this special episode of Just Healthcare Daily, our North Carolina Omnibus Edition. The state has developed a national reputation as a hotbed for healthcare transformation, and GIST spent six days reporting on how that's playing out in both public policy and private sector disruption. We're combining all those interviews into one episode. You'll hear from the Secretary of Health about Medicaid transformation, the biggest payer in the state about the aggressive move to value, the CEO of a health system, and an independent primary care doctor, among others. First, we'll start with the North Carolina Secretary of Health, Mandy Cohen. She's leading the Medicaid overhaul, but without a state budget, she's had to delay the plan February start date. One of the sticking points between the Democratic governor and majority GOP legislature, Medicaid expansion. Now the Medicaid transformation is on hold indefinitely. I spoke with Cohen before the delay, but she explained how disruptive it would be. We, we actually don't have any, we are running out of ability to pay our contractors to do the work for us. So our big vendors that run all the IT and the operational work, um, we won't be able to pay them anymore and we will have to actually like wind down work which is a scary thought because winding down work means two to three times the amount of time to wind it back up again and then actually move forward. The transition has been a long sometimes bumpy process starting back in 2015 when state lawmakers voted to move the fee-for-service Medicaid program to managed care. The state got a waiver from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services in late 2018 and awarded five payers contracts. Blue Cross, AmeriHealth Caritas North Carolina, United Healthcare, WellCare, and Carolina Complete Health. As of November 14th, the health department said about 40 percent of providers who currently treat Medicaid patients have contracts with one of the five managed care companies. Hospitals are contracting. Um, I, I get it. It is hard. To, there are a lot of moving pieces in, in creating these contracts, and it lays the lays out the path for how folks are going to work in the Medicaid program going forward. So it is a big change. Um, I just encourage folks to work work quickly, <laughs> um, and you know we're charging ahead here um, at the state, and it is it you know it always feels tight. I've talked to many other state leaders who have launched managed care to learn from their experiences. And they always said, you know, you always feel like you don't have enough time. But at some point, you just yeah, we're going to launch and we'll do our best. It's a big effort. 
Another big part of that effort is the pilot project to fund some social services to improve Medicaid beneficiaries' overall health. The federal government awarded $650 million to provide help with things like housing, food, and transportation. And the hub for figuring out if people need this kind of assistance is when they're seeking medical treatment. We wanted to, to routinely screen people for these in, in healthcare settings. So meaning that we want to ask about food insecurity and transportation issues and housing instability at a doctor's visit or at, you know, whatever medical visit. Um, but you can't just ask the question and not be able to link people to resources. So that's where NC Care 360 comes in. It's the link to resources. And but but yes, that comes with new business processes, new relationships, what what is my responsibility in the, do- in the doctor's space and, and not. And I think we're still navigating that. I think they're good questions. The NC Care 360 platform Cohen mentioned is a statewide platform that's connected to a patient's electronic health record. It's live in about a third of the state's 100 counties and will be in the rest of the state by the end of next year. Cohen says it will allow for easy referrals and a way to track health outcomes. I think that's the evidence that we're still we're still building so that I can go back to the doctor to be like, hey, when you see this asthmatic kid, not only should you be giving them albuterol inhalers and, and all of the other kinds of rescue medicines and, and medicines to calm their asthma, but we need to get to the root of the issue and Medicaid's going to pay for it. This rollout is giving Cohen a chance to test out the payment models that she worked on at the Federal Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation during the Obama administration. This is where the incentives matter. And if if we want to get a different outcome from our health system, we have to request different things from it, meaning that we have to pay and reward for different things. Right now in a fee-for-service world, we reward for more. We reward for volume, and so we get volume. I, mean, we shouldn't, I don't think it's malicious. I think people are, are following the rules that we created, and so you have to change the rules, which means change the models, change the payment. So we are embedding those changes into our Medicaid program. We're the second largest payer here in the state, so it's a big movement forward. If we change our, our model, the industry you know, reacts to that. And I think coupling our interest in saying, mm, we want to pay to get health as opposed to pay to get more health care. I think that's a fundamental shift in thinking. And so you pair that with this infrastructure investment. I think that is what is aligning. So t- I took some of those lessons learned from the federal government um, and, and Medicare, those alternative payment models, pairing it with the Medicaid population and the levers we have here. That was Secretary of Health Dr. Mandy Cohen. This shift from fee-for-service to value is also happening in the commercial sector with Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. This fall, the company announced a big step towards its goal of moving providers into value-based contracting agreements. Two of the state's largest health systems, Charlotte-based Atrium Health and Winston-Salem-based Novant Health, signed multi-year agreements. The insurer has been vocal about its goal of having half of its 3.9 million members getting care from providers who are in these shared risk agreements by 2020. Much of this was trumpeted by former CEO Pat Conway. He recently left the company following a drunk driving arrest. After his departure, a planned merger with Portland, Oregon-based Cambia Health also fell apart. It was unclear if the moves to value would still be prioritized. But this announcement makes clear the insurer is staying the course. One of the Blue Cross leaders behind the shift is Chief Medical Officer Dr. Rahul Rajkumar. So despite our leadership change, we remain fully committed to this direction and this this strategy. And I would say that there has not been any loss of momentum here. It you know, it took about a thousand people working together here to get us this far. And we're all still here and in this one hundred percent. 
Raj Kumar came to Blue Cross 18 months ago. Previously, he worked at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation during the Obama administration, along with Conway and North Carolina Secretary of Health Mandy Cohen. Raj Kumar says he's taking methods CMMI tested over the last decade and implementing them in North Carolina. Ed, quickly. We have announced two big goals. One is that by the end of the year 2023, every single one of our members, so 100%, will have a provider that's accountable for total cost and quality. And we think we can get halfway there, 50%, by next year. And so that's – there is no other payer in the country that we believe is even at 25%. So it's – that is what I mean by trying to do it faster and more meaningfully. Blue Cross, the largest payer in the state, is well-positioned to do it. Raj Kumar says the insurer is working with each type of provider. The first level, the 10 big health systems in the state. Now, seven of them are in these shared risk agreements. And he says he expects the rest will join by next year. Second level, independent primary care physicians. So about half of the primary care physicians in North Carolina are independent. Ed, we've chosen to work with Allidaid, which is a, a critical partner to us. And they have been uh, recruiting independent primary care physicians and bringing them into these ACO arrangements and as well as our program, Blue Premier. Allidade has enrolled 20 primary care practices in these value arrangements with Medicare and Blue Cross this year. The third layer, he says, is advanced primary care practices that work closely with high-needs patients to make sure they're addressing community needs like nutrition and diabetes. Value is a blanket term for a whole host of payment arrangements. So I asked Raj Kumar what it means to Blue Cross. In order for us to, to make a dent in affordability, we have to hold the per capita rate of healthcare cost growth to less than wage growth. And I will give you a prediction on your podcast. I think that we can make that happen in North Carolina by the year 2022. And then we have to sustain that for a generation in order to make a dent in healthcare cost. That means at the same time as we're giving providers risk and giving them the tools to reorganize the delivery of care and do it more efficiently, we also have to hold down unit price growth. So obviously this will not work if we introduce the concept of risk and efficiency, but uh, give it all back on the unit price side. And so you have to do both things at the same time. For a provider, that means that they're going through a revenue transition. So if you're a large system, it means that the era of guaranteed fee-for-service increases is over. And you now have to earn your growth in revenue. One important part of this is that for our whole network, as a matter of company-wide policy, we have said that our fee schedules are flat unless a provider is willing to take a risk and enter the Blue Premier program. And once they are able to enter that, then we will offer them relatively modest unit price increases compared with history. That was Dr. Rahul Rajkumar, Chief Medical Officer of Blue Cross Blue Shield. Now to the providers, both big and small, who were on this shift to value. First, CEO of Cone Health, Terry Aiken. The Greensboro-based health system is no stranger to these alternative payment models. Cone Health is a Just Healthcare member. The system is based in Greensboro in the north-central part of the state, about an hour and a half north of Charlotte and an hour and a half west of Raleigh. Cone has six hospitals, urgent care centers, outpatient surgical centers, and 100-plus physician practices. And for years, it's run towards value-based care and shared risk agreements. Aiken says half of the health system business is in some sort of at-risk contract. We have value-based contracts with all of our payers except for 
Cigna, whether it involves full risk or shared savings. So we, we're not waiting around. Including the recent one with the largest payer in the state, Blue Cross Blue Shield, which they signed about a year ago. Aiken says it's part of the health system's plan to be the forefront of the change from fee-for-service to value. We believe that the markets ultimately will catch up with and reward the value-based approach. To use a Wayne Gretzky analogy, we're convinced that that's the direction the puck is going and we're skating in the direction that we believe the puck is going. Um, And economics will bear out that that, that, that there's a value imperative out there that we've all got to to heed and, and, and work toward. And so for us, those care models apply across across everyone. And, and certainly to the degree we have the right contracts in place, then those incentivize and reward the right things. One of Cohen's success stories in this shared risk value-based contracting world has been the Triad Healthcare Network, an accountable care organization that is made up of Cone Health employees and affiliated practices. It's part of a Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services project called Next Generation ACOs and has ranked in the top five for both quality and shared savings. Aiken says these contracts have helped shift how the health system does business. Our orientation has become much more around lowering costs through prevention, early intervention, addressing upstream issues that impact quality of life and costs of chronic disease, like chronic heart failure, diabetes, et cetera, and also really investing in addressing some of the social determinants of of health status. And so it's fundamentally altered our orientation from a more traditional inpatient-focused model to one that is now much more about partnering with people in the community to keep them healthy and well. Cohn worked with local partners, including the University of North Carolina Greensboro, on a project Aiken says embodies this new way of thinking. Cohn was seeing a lot of asthma-related emergency patients. It used data mapping and found that many were coming from one housing complex with moldy carpets and leaky roofs. After making some improvements to the housing conditions, Aiken says emergency department visits for asthma from that part of the neighborhood dropped dramatically. A great model for public health. But I asked Aiken, as a CEO of a health system that generates a lot of revenue from emergency visits, how interventions like this are impacting the health system's bottom line. We are biting the hand that feeds us. That's that's the dilemma that we all face. And so it, it really is um, uh, a decision on the part of each organization about the degree to which they're going to be hamstrung or maybe even paralyzed by the financial payment realities of the current system or whether or not they're going to try and catalyze that system in moving forward and evolving. And we've really chosen the latter. It makes for a very challenging pathway because on the one hand, we are decreasing some of our fee-for-service revenue to the degree we're paid that way. But on the other hand, we're doing the right thing by, by lowering costs, reducing hospitalization, and elevating quality. And Aiken is happy to share with patients how much treatment costs for them at Cone. He agrees with President Trump's push for health care price transparency, even though creating user-friendly pricing information in a standard format is going to be a tall order. I'm a big believer. We're big believers in transparency. If we're really going to create a situation in our marketplace where um, quality can be rewarded and low cost can be rewarded and the combination of the two in the form of value can be rewarded, then we've got to we've got to provide people with complete transparent information. That was Cone Health CEO Terry Aiken. Now to Dr. Tagbo Iquano. He's the sole doctor in his Charlotte practice, Easttown Family Physicians. 
He's been practicing independently for 12 years. Prior, he worked for health systems in Charlotte and New York after completing medical school in Nigeria. He's excited about payers making the shift to value to, as he puts it, recognize how he's been treating patients for years. Honestly, I think I, I've been doing value-based care for a long time. Uh, it just didn't have a way to document it and quantify it. And that's the way of the future. I think uh, I, I definitely embrace it. I think it, it's, it's good for healthcare to, to do that. As an independent physician with resource, with limited resources, it's good to partner with somebody who has experience and the resources to help you to provide that. So that's what I'm doing. He's doing that in a few different ways, one of which is that he's just signed a contract to work with Alidate, a company that creates accountable care organizations with independent doctors. He's excited about having better data to assist him in doing more preventive care and having more flexibility with how he treats patients. I think there are lots of things we, we can do to make things better if there's value to it. For example, if somebody's in their office and they think they have a, you know, urinary tract infection, you know, you can save time by not having to drive to my office, park your car, see the receptionist, get signed in. You can have a, some kind of discussion by, over a, a secure portal uh, or telemedicine and say, hey, I think it's the ETI. Uh, go ahead and get you antibiotics. Recently in Charlotte, Ikwanu says there's been a renaissance of the independent practice. Over the past two years, a few large practices bucked the nationwide trend of joining hospitals. One group of more than 80 primary care and specialty doctors left Atrium Health to form an independent practice called Tryon Medical Partners. And a group of primary care doctors and obstetricians and gynecologists left the other health system in town, Novant Health, to join another multi-state independent practice called Holston Medical Group. Ikwanu hasn't joined those groups, but but he's joined other independent practices in a network called the Community Care Physician Network. It negotiates on behalf of more than 2,500 independent doctors in North Carolina, and that has given him some of his power back. Yeah, well, in my 12 years of being independent, I've never negotiated a contract with Luca Gosios or United Healthcare, not because I didn't want to, but because it was a total waste of time. Uh, they give you a, a contract, you sign it, and that's where, that's where it is. Uh, compared to just the uh, bigger groups uh, or hospital-based uh, clinics. Those have, they have more clouds uh, to do that. That group, Community Care Physician Network, also helps Equino negotiate contracts with five managed care companies that will take over Medicaid for the state. The exact date of that transition is on hold because of a budget stalemate. With the overhaul of Medicaid comes a renewed focus on the social determinants of health, and the point person for those services will be primary care doctors, a role Equino hasn't played before. Uh, personally, I hesitate because, you know, most of the time when they do that, like Medicaid transportation, uh, they make the, the, the physicians or the providers the, the center. We're supposed to fill out forms and sign forms. Uh, there's no resources to, to take up the extra paperwork. Uh, and sometimes the things they're asking to sign off, uh, we, don't, we don't have information about it. You know, somebody says they have mold in the house. Well, how do I know that? Ikwanu worries about balancing his patients' needs with keeping them happy. But one thing he isn't so worried about anymore is his decision to remain independent. Uh, I'm more confident in my decision to remain uh, as an independent uh, family physician. Uh, I think there's, there's a place for us. Um, I, we, we're now, we see the potential to be able to come together as different independent groups and form a, a network to be able to have more clouds. Uh, to negotiate with uh, insurance companies as those insurance companies get bigger and bigger. Um, so uh, definitely uh, have more optimism in the future.
As Ikwanu mentioned, part of that optimism is because he and other doctors have joined in the Community Care Physician Network. This clinically integrated network is closely affiliated with Community Care of North Carolina, CCNC for short. It's an organization that provides support, management, and analytics to independent primary care doctors across the state. President and CEO Dr. Alan Dobson compared what the network does to a school of fish. All these little fish get together and form the, you know, and swim in unison like a, a large fish and, and it becomes, you can be small, but if you join together, you can operate as if you're a large institution. CCNC was largely focused on providing care for 1.7 million Medicaid patients in North Carolina. 90% of North Carolina primary care physicians participate in the state's Medicaid program, according to the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians and the state's Pediatric Society. That's much higher than the national average of about 70%. So without them, you know, there'd be a huge access problem. So, you know, part of the, uh, the goal is to make sure we keep them uh, successful and able to do what they do in our, the small communities around the state. Dobson's philosophy for good health care access is that every community needs a few basic medical necessities, primary care doctors, a pharmacy to pick up medicines, and an ambulance to take patients to emergency care. He says, sure, a hospital would be nice, but he thinks differently than policymakers who are concerned about supporting the current hospital-centric delivery system. It's about what, what do you need basic to live in a community, and you need a grocery store, too. Um, there's some basic things that communities need to, to actually be communities, and I think on the healthcare side, um, you've you got to at least have primary care and pharmacy and, and at least some emergency services in your, in your area to really have the, the building blocks for healthcare. And then from there, you can, you know, a lot of other things are needed, but um, that's really the three building blocks, I think, in any community. Over the years, with consolidation of providers and payers, Dobson says smaller primary care doctors have been struggling to negotiate good contracts with insurers. So more than 2,700 of them formed a clinically integrated network called Community Care Physician Network. This network has negotiated contracts on behalf of these small independent doctors, which Dobson says is becoming even more important as the industry shifts more to value-based contracting. The value of the docs coming together is that they can get the economies of scale for, for technology and support and, and infrastructure that would be cost prohibitive for small practices to do. So they can share all these resources while still remaining independent. And I think that's an important point because that cost is fixed overhead cost. It really doesn't provide anything extra to the patient. So anything we can do to to lower the cost of provision of that back office stuff is just means that it frees the doc up to not be so pressured about how many patients they see every hour. Dobson is optimistic about the future of the independent primary care doctor and practice in North Carolina. One example he points to is when the state treasurer, Dale Falwell, was overhauling the health plan for more than 727,000 state workers and their family members. He raised reimbursement rates for the independent primary care doctor. It was part of Falwell's clear pricing project, his effort to even out payments to doctors across the state and be transparent about it. 
Falwell is an advocate of price transparency, and you could draw some parallels to President Trump's healthcare price transparency initiatives. They both believe consumers will gravitate towards lower-cost providers if they knew the prices, and hospitals and providers exposed for charging high prices would be shamed into lowering them. So Falwell told providers he was going to stop letting the third-party administrator, in this case Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina, negotiate prices with providers and instead peg their reimbursement rates to Medicare rates. Get rid of secret contracts, give the power to the consumer, and as a result of that, we know, like in every other aspect of our lives, that we're going to be able to lower costs. Falwell says he started by offering providers 167 percent of what Medicare was paying. But when that wasn't acceptable, he says he increased his offer. And then we went to 172. Then we end up at nearly uh, 200 percent of Medicare reimbursement rates. Providers have concerns about benchmark rates because it puts limits on their current reimbursements, future price increases, and doesn't account for other metrics like quality. Hospitals and other provider groups often rely on a cross-subsidy model because they say Medicaid pays less than the cost of treatment, Medicare pays closer to the cost of treatment, and commercial pays the highest rates. So to make up for uncompensated care, providers say they rely on high commercial reimbursements. The negotiations between the treasurer and providers that heated up over the summer gave the public a rare view into how payer-provider negotiations often go. It's a question of who has more power, the largest purchaser of health care in the state, or the must-have in network health systems. The domination of, of these cartel-like hospitals, and I use that word specifically because the Webster's definition of cartel is an association that is formed to restrict competition or raise prices. That's what Webster's Dictionary says. But these cartel-like activities of these major medical centers has resulted in them acquiring primary care physicians across North Carolina. And they're they're acquiring them for specific purpose of getting the referrals. Providers would dispute that claim. Among the reasons given for acquiring practices, care coordination, and help with administrative work. Those who oppose the treasurer's plan, like the North Carolina Healthcare Association, said the new prices would result in dramatic revenue decreases for hospitals in parts of the state where a lot of state workers live and could threaten those hospitals' sustainability. The association said instead the state could achieve savings through value-based care initiatives, to which Falwell responded, the, uh, the misnomer about value is that you can't value anything unless you know what it costs, whether it's a, a shirt, a, a tank of gasoline, or a two-liter Pepsi Cola. You can't value anything unless you know what it costs. He argued consumers are smart and, when given clear information, would be able to decide what they value. Although the treasurer wasn't successful in getting all of the providers that treat state employees to agree to his reference-based pricing plan, he did get more than 25000 on board, which is about 40 percent of all the providers in the state health plan network. Some of those providers took rate cuts and others got pay increases. His plan is to create an online provider directory that consumers can search to see different types of treatment costs from different providers. Well, the plan is to give the power to the consumer, and the consumer knows how to consume. They can tell you where the cheapest tank of gas is, the where the buy two, get three free specials are this week. The consumers know how to consume if you give them the tools. And I am very confident, and I have complete confidence in our participants, that if we give them the tools, uh, that they will make the right decision. The treasurer is counting on patients to go where they have the pricing predictability. Falwell says he'll start trying to get more providers on board with his reference-based pricing model starting in January.
Thanks for listening to this special episode of Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olkin. We're back to the regular format tomorrow. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on JustHealthcare.com. Just Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.